Hey folks, welcome to the Jason Wright Show, Money Monday. Look, this is the episode dedicated to improving our finances, always in always. Part of our overall improvement has to be to be good stewards of our resources, and that's what Mondays are for on the Jason Wright Show. So with that in mind, let's go. So today I want to talk about something that is really, really exciting. I mean, fasten your seatbelts, kids. It's about to be awesome on the Jason Wright Show, Money Monday. We're going to be talking about life insurance. That's right. Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you excited? Look, I know this is not one of those topics that is the least bit sexy. I get it. It is something that... Most of us don't want to even think about because generally the only reason why you buy life insurance is because eventually somebody's going to die. And when they die, then there needs to be some money to cover unpaid expenses, debts, just things that couldn't be covered by them. They were responsible. Let's say they were responsible for paying the mortgage. Let's say it's a husband responsible for paying the mortgage or the wife responsible for paying for the cars and the groceries and the mortgage. And now they have died. And since they're gone, this helps cover the expenses that they once took care of. And there's two primary ways of insuring oneself in the instance of death. And that is either a term life insurance policy or a whole life insurance policy. The term policy, I guarantee most of you listening to this, you pretty much know what term is. It means for a term, for a 20-year term, a 10-year term, a five-year term, uh, then you will pay a set premium for that term. So for the next 20 years, you're going to pay a certain premium, either a month, a quarter, a year, and that's going to grant you whatever coverage you think you need. Now, let's just stop there for a minute and think about how much life insurance you might need. A lot of people like to think this is a way I can make my family win the lottery if I die, and that just makes them feel good. And so they'll go out and they'll purchase a two, three, four million dollar life insurance policy, uh, which let's say, let's say that a three million dollar policy on someone, you know, late 30s to 50, let's say early 50s is somewhere around, that's probably going to run you probably around what, 2000 a year, something like that. So let's just say $200 a month. But let's say that this is an individual that has been responsible with their money. Their home is nearly paid for. Their cars are paid for. They don't have a lot of debt. Kids are out of school. I mean, theoretically, this is only going to come into play if the person dies, which by the actuarials, most of us are going to live past 70 years old, except for due to some unforeseen circumstance. So you may not need $2 million. So I'd say the first thing that anybody needs to do is to truly evaluate how much life insurance they actually need and then don't overinsure. It might make you feel good to sit there and gaze across the dinner table at your wife and think to yourself, you know, honey, if I choke on this roast beef and I die right here before your eyes, you are going to be a multimillionaire. Doesn't that make you feel good? That might, that might be kind of the way your mind works, but you're kind of weird and you need to not do that. You need only enough so that 
all of your expense. All you don't want to burden your family with any un you know untended to obligations. That anything that you owed, and you want to give them some cash, some runway. Let's say that you had, a, you know, let's say that you're the spouse that worked full time, and the spouse that was that's being left behind only worked part time, or or was a a homemaker. Then you want to make sure that they have finances to get them into the future. So figure that out first. And then secondly, it's okay. What once you know how much insurance you need, then the next thing to determine is whether you want term or whole life. Now, I'm from the school of thought, the old A.O. Williams. I don't know if any of you know who A.O. Williams was. A.O. Williams was an insurance pioneer and had independent agents out there everywhere making a ton of money. I mean, these I actually worked with a guy when I was in college who had made a small fortune selling term life insurance on the A.O. Williams program. And the, the thing that these salespeople always said was, buy term and invest the difference. So what does that mean? Buy term and invest the difference. Well, here's what it means. If you line up the two policies side by side, a term policy and a whole life policy, that term policy is most likely going to cost you less for the actual insurance, okay, the actual insurance coverage, okay, so it's going to cost you less for the, let's say it's a million dollars, let's say you want a million dollars in life insurance, then, so if you die, then your family gets a million dollars. Well, that policy is going to cost you less than a million dollars in whole life. The agent that's selling you the whole life will say, yes, it's going to cost you a higher premium amount, but only a small portion is going toward the actual face value of the policy, the million dollars. The rest we're going to invest for you. And the reason this product is better, the agent will tell you, is because you actually have some savings involved and it's actually going to grow and it's going to pay you interest. And here's the real benefit. Your premium will never go up. This, my friend, is an investment vehicle. This isn't just insurance. This is an investment. This is right up there with your mutual funds, real estate. This is an investment vehicle for you and your future so you can have a million dollars life insurance and at the end of this policy if you actually live as long as you let's say that you live in old age this policy will still be in play we're not going to cancel it due to your old age and you will have actual savings in it doesn't that sound great well start asking some questions the first question should be let's say that i want to cancel this insurance policy how much money will I actually get back? Will I be penalized? Now, in some instances, there will be triggers in there that will actually penalize you for canceling the policy early, but at a minimum, you're only going to get back the money that you've invested. That's it. You're going to get your money back that you invested. No more. Okay? Now, let's say that you get in a, into a pickle. Let's say you go through COVID, your job, you lose your job, and or whatever. You know, there's a recession, there's an economic downturn, and you have to tap into that cash value. Let's say that you've actually saved up some money in your whole life insurance policy, and you want to borrow some of that money. Well, guess what? You can do that, but the interest that you pay back, whenever you have to pay back that loan, you don't get the interest. You borrow your money that you put in and you pay the insurance company the interest to borrow your money. Doesn't sound like a very good deal, does it? Secondly, on average, historical rates of growth are somewhere in the neighborhood of 1% to 2% per annum on these policies. So they, they're very, very conservative. And now you can go to your bank right now 
and get a five, and I think I saw somewhere around close to a 6% uh, return on a 18-month CD. So here's where the buy term invest the differences. So let's say that instead of doing that, you bought the term insurance, and instead of letting the whole life company do for you the paying for the term and investing the difference, because that's what they're doing. They're saying, I'm going to sell you a policy. This is back. This is the whole life. We're going to sell you a policy that has a face value insurance component, but it also has a savings and investment component to it that we're going to do for you. Now, it's going to be very conservative. You're not going to be able to get your money easily. It's going to cost you money if you take out your money. It just it's, but, but we're going to do it for you. We're going to force some savings inside of this insurance policy. Whereas the the term policy is going to say, we just want the actuarial amount for you, given your age, your health status, all that good stuff. We want just the premium part of it. And then you get to take that difference and go invest it at the bank or in the stock market or wherever you should choose to. So right now you could say to yourself, well, all right, so I'm going to go buy a, a, a whole life policy that's going to cost me just, just playing with some numbers here, 150 bucks a month for a million dollars of life insurance of which a small portion of that, I think it's like two a 20th of it, something like that. I may have those numbers wrong, but a 20th is going towards covering the face value of the policy. The rest is going to be invested in some very, very conservative investment vehicle, or I could just go by term, pay 90 bucks a month, for a million dollars in value. And then that 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 the rest of it, the other 25, 30, 40 bucks a month that I have in my pocket, I can just go invest that in the stock market where the annual return over the last couple hundred years is around 7%. So you can see that your money is gonna grow much better. And then you have to ask yourself this, and this is the thing that, it's not always a zero-sum game, and I get it. Like, if you listen to Dave Ramsey, he'll tell you that basically whole life is one of the worst investment products that's ever been. It's crappy. It's horrible. And you shouldn't touch it, and I tend to agree. I can, I completely agree that what he says, the three worst financial products sold to the middle class are car leases, whole life insurance, and credit cards. They all suck, and in the words of Dave Ramsey, those are products that keep the middle class middle class. And so I do agree. However, if you are someone that you just need the peace of mind of knowing that you have some life insurance of some sort and you do not have the discipline, you're not going to invest that difference. But you, so you need, just, you're just, you're, you're happy with even a horrible return and very limited access to your own money. If that's what it takes to get you to save some money, then you might say, I just don't care. And I don't want to have to worry about being 60 years old and having to go through this process again, go through another health screening to get a term life insurance policy to carry me into old age. And I don't want to have to worry about the fact that I'm only going to be able to get for the next five years. And by the way, I just can't get my mind around the fact that every year I don't die, I get no benefit from this policy. Then that might be for you. Okay. And that's just a lot of times it's kind of like whenever you buy a house, everybody will tell you, you know, don't ever put a swing pool in a house. You'll never get your money back. You'll never get your money back. Well, there's more to it than getting your money back. How about just having your kids enjoy a swimming pool? Isn't that worth something? Not everything is a damn investment. Not everything has to have this ROI that makes sense. It does. Sometimes you do things just because there's a happiness quotient. There's an added life value quotient. Okay. So that might be what this is for you. 
I do think, however, though, the term policy is better because here's what it is. That term policy it is an, an expense that you pay every year just for peace of mind. It's a toll. It's a toll for a peace of mind. That's it. You will probably never have to use it. God willing, you will never have to use it. God willing, you will live. Let's say that you're like, I bought my first 20-year policy whenever I was 28 years old. So I thought that, okay, when I'm 48, if I ha- then you know between 28 and 48, that 20-year policy, I think it was for $2 million. So look, I have more liabilities at between 28 and 48 than I'm going to have from 50 to, say, 70. I'm just because you just thought those are the building years, right? So during my building years, I needed a $2 million policy to offset my current savings, my net worth at that time, you taking into account the money I was making and how much I thought I could save to where if anything happened to me, all debts are paid, there's some money left over, and no one's left. I'm not leaving anyone a big burden. But then when it came time to do my next insurance policy, I took it down a little bit. I, a million dollar policy is fine for me. Given the money that I have, the what little debt I have, a million dollars is more than enough for me. Plus some other, I've I've got some other uh, life insurance vehicles. But as far as just you know, it, this conversation is concerned, a million dollar policy. And so what I do is I pay that premium every year, knowing it's not an investment. It is not. I will never see that money again. God willing, I won't die. The best thing that could happen is if I just throw this premium away. It's just money burned because that means I lived. But if in the instance that I didn't, I know that Jimelin is not going to be left with any financial burden whatsoever. And so therefore, that peace of mind, I can value that at the insurance premium policy or the, at, the, at the insurance's premium. I, that, it's worth that to me. It's worth it to me to not have to go around thinking to myself, well, if I die, Jimlin's going to have a struggle. She's going to have a lot to have to kind of clean up. No, she's going to get a big fat check and she's going to miss me. And that's going to be worse than anything. And then, but she at least won't be saddled, saddled with uh, financial burdens on top of it. Okay. So it's worth that premium to me just for that fact alone. Not everything is always about a dollar for dollar return on investment. Some things are just for peace of mind and making life a little better. All right. So now, and also, by the way, what I do is I take that in the money that I have that, that frees up all my other cash to invest in other vehicles, mutual funds, index funds, real estate. It doesn't matter. Whatever that is, I can my, my auto. You guys hear me all the time talk about auto drafts and set it and forget it. I can up my auto drafts and my set it and forget it into my IRAs and other just set it and forget it instruments by the amount that I would have to pay for a whole life. And then as I just step back and think, okay, of all the in, the instruments out there that I could use for personal investment, would I ever put my money in something that was only going to pay me about one to two percent on my money. It's like a just a horrible, horrible it's like whenever we were going through these um here's here this is a great example. We don't have this right now. But through a great deal of the 2000s, we had easy monetary policy, loose monetary policy, easy monetary policy, which meant money was cheap. That's why we had all these mortgages around 3%, 3.25%, I mean, a 4% mortgage at one time. People started griping about those. We had these low, low interest rates. You could get 0% financing on almost any new car you wanted, right? So therefore, with that being the case, 
investing in a passport savings, a money market account, or a CD at your local bank, it made no sense. I mean, inflation was pegged at around 2% at that time. And if their returns are 1%, then you're losing money by investing your money in a CD. So it's kind of the same difference. It's like, as I look and I go, well, I'm going to buy life insurance. And it's, it's either one of two things. Either life insurance is to pay off when you die, or it's not. It's not an investment. And I think that's the biggest takeaway here. It's not an investment, but if the whole life forces you to save at least something and it gives you a peace of mind in a way that the term policy cannot, then fine. That's okay. But here's the case, here's the thing that you need to get your mind around right now. Do not call any form of life insurance an investment. It is not, even if it's a whole life policy. It's not an investment. It's a weird, it's a savings account with a life insurance component to it. That's what it is. It's taking a dollar and shaving off about 20 cents of the dollar and and, and putting that in a life insurance vehicle so that if you die, you get something back. Okay. That's And by the way, when you die, here's a a little secret about that whole life policy. Let's say that, that dollar I just described to you. If there's there's 80 cents that's invested there, right? If you die inside of five years or whatever, that policy, it's going to pay you the face value of the policy. The money you've invested, you don't get that. You don't get both. You don't get your cash and the face value of the policy back. No, you get the life insurance. You don't get the money back. The only way you get the money back is if you borrow it, you close the policy, you take it out, you've got some savings there, but you, you don't get both, you see what I'm saying? You do not get both. That Essentially, that money that you've invested is only your money to use if you cancel the policy or borrow against it and you pay interest back to the insurance company. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not a financial advisor. The, the disclaimer's at the end of this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we. I do. I am a believer. I personally have life insurance. I personally buy the minimum amount that I can, because I do think it's nothing but a peace of mind toll. That's all it is. And when it comes to life versus whole life, or excuse me, term versus whole life, I am a buy term and invest the difference kind of guy. I hope you found this helpful. I told you it's riveting and exciting. There's nothing more exciting than life insurance and or a life insurance salesperson. Those People crush it when you, and you. I mean, I guarantee you. Whenever you're out and you're having a nice dinner, and you see a life insurance agent, you go, "I hope that guy comes up and talks to me." They are freaking just amazing. Love a good old life insurance salesperson. So, anyway, I hope you have a great day. Crush your day. Continue to improve your finances. Always in. Always have a great week. I'm Jason. This is Money Monday, and I'm out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget, download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, The Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve always in always. I'm out.
The information provided on the Jason Rice Show podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be construed as professional, financial, or investment advice. The content presented is based on the host's opinions and personal experiences, and it may not be suitable for all individuals. The hosts and guests of The Jason Wright Show are not licensed financial advisors, investment professionals, or registered representatives. Listeners are strongly advised to seek advice from qualified financial professionals before making any investment decisions. The content provided in this podcast should not be considered a substitute for personalized financial advice. Investing involves risk and the value of the investments can go up or down. Listeners are encouraged to conduct thorough research and consider their own financial situation and risk tolerance before making any investment decisions. The past performance of investments discussed on the podcast is not indicative of future results. The Jason Wright Show podcast may include discussions of specific investment strategies, financial products, or market trends. Such discussions are for educational and informational purposes only and should not be interpreted as endorsements or recommendations. Listeners should be aware that financial regulations, laws, and tax rules can change and may vary based on jurisdiction. Any information provided in this podcast may become outdated or inaccurate over time. By accessing and listening to this Jason Bright Show podcast, you acknowledge and agree that the hosts, guests, and creators of the podcast shall not be held liable for any losses, damages, or expenses arising from your reliance on the information presented. You also acknowledge that any investment decisions you make are solely your responsibility. Remember to consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions. Always do your own research and due diligence to ensure that any financial or investment strategies are appropriate for your individual circumstances.